श्रीला गुरुदेव की जाए श्री सदुज गौरंग की जाए श्री हरिनाम प्रभु की जाए ग्रंथरा श्रीमद भागवतन की जाए श्री ब्रह्मार गीता की जाए घोर भक्त वृंद की जाए घोर प्रेमानंद सो प्रणाम वेलकम गुड इवनिंग फ्रॉम तुर्कु फिनलैंड वी आर हियर एट श्री सदबुज मंदिर where Sri Brigupad Prabhu and Saragrahi Devi also are living with Sri Radha, the little Radha. I'm here also accompanied by Shamananda Prabhu and Sakyarati Devi. So, after a very nice retreat and festival with Vaishnavs in Finland. So, we are continuing with our series of lectures on Sri Brahma Gita, the song of the bumblebee. Today is our meeting number hmm, 17. And we are in the second class of the conclusion of this series. We already finished officially the Brahma Gita two weeks back. And last week we started a series of conclusive lectures, basically, trying to to, to share an afterthought, hmm? the consequences, if you will, of the Brahma Gita and how the, the Braja Lila, Krishna Lila unfolded after this song of the Bumblebee. So today we will continue with that section, the second lecture of conclusion. We will be studying today verses 30 till 37 of this 47th chapter of the 10th canto of the Grantarash, Srimad Bhagavatam. But as usual, let's begin with some brief recap of what we were studying last week, our first class in the conclusion section, if you will, where we were, we were studying verses 22 to 29 of chapter 47, all the, first, the immediate first verses after the Brahma Gita finishes. The last verse of Brahma Gita, the 10th verse is verse 21, 21. So we started from verse 22 to 29, when Sri Radha, after invoking this song of the bumblebee, according to the Purvacharya, she collapses and falls unconscious, basically, after singing this song of the bumblebee, after addressing directly Udav in the very last verse, after the first nine verses addressing the bumblebee, but Udab thinking, is that for me, is that for whom? And in the last verse, she directly speaks to Udab, and when she mentions when Krishna will return and put his hand on our head, blessing us, she loses consciousness. So Udab thinks, okay, this is the first moment to present officially the message. Till this moment, Udab didn't have the chance to pronounce it in a single word. He was totally speechless by witnessing the degree of Brajabab that he was sharing this, not even his first day in Vrindavan yet. <laughs> so he considered now is the moment to, to share the message of Krishna. Hmm? But he also thought, they are so disturbed by Prem that it's not, I cannot just immediately start with the message, just right after the finish, the end of the Brahma Gita, I cannot just immediately begin with, okay, this is Krishna's letter to you, Gopis. Hmm? So he started his message, if you will, or he make a preface to his message by glorifying what he has just seen, the degree of the prem of the gopis, and he starts to establish, remember, this is a big part of the purpose of Krishna sending Udab to Braj, that someone like him, who is the greatest knowledgeable person on earth, basically 
will sing the glories of the Gopis' love, of the Vrajavasis' love, and establish that attainment as the highest attainment, possible attainment. So if Uddhava says that, that must be true, basically. That's objectively proved, scientifically proved, if you will. <laughs> so in this series of, of verses, Uddhava starts to narrate how the, the attainment that the Gopis uh, have expressed, that's the highest possible goal to, to obtain in life, how that's worshipable by everyone and every single person, and how eventually the whole world will follow their footsteps. In another word, he's presenting some type of prophecy about eventually your love will become the the example to follow in the wake of, so what we call Raganuga Bhakti, which basically means to serve in the wake of the love of the Ragatmikas, hmm? what Mahaprabhu established in the world. And then he starts to glorify why their love is so glorious, especially how they have left everything for the sake of Krishna, especially Parakiya is, is a type of love that is characterized by plenty of obstacles. But how those obstacles are not actually increasing the gopis love, but just showing their love, make, make those obstacles make their love to express itself explicitly, although their love is already there. It's not that they need obstacles to love Krishna more, basically. But obstacles allow us to appreciate that love that somehow, if not, may remain hidden. That's the whole, also the nature of parakia. It's a forbidden love. So it has to be hidden. So we may not be able to appreciate that. So these obstacles is put in the glory, the integrity of the love in the spotlight. And then Uddhava starts to... to Praise the Gopis, and you have shown me great, great grace, great mercy by allowing me to have darshan of your prem, basically. You know, what I have witnessed through this Brahma Gita, I consider that's impacting me in a deep samskaric sense. <clears throat> and then after all these words, that he really meant them, it's not just a preaching strategy before the official message of Sri Krishna, he really was moved and crying and expressing all the things. Eventually, he's, he starts with the very message that Krishna sent through him, through the gopis, through, through him to the gopis. Hmm? It is said that Krishna wrote the message with his own uh, handwriting, but he was on one side so moved when he wrote the message that it was almost impossible to decipher, decipher what he was writing. Although the gopis will read that with the eyes of Bob, but Udab thought, I won't give the letter straight to the gopis because on one side it's so emotional what Krishna wrote and they are so emotional when they read, see only his handwriting in such a that they will start to cry torrents and torrents of rain and all the ink and every all the message will disappear. So Uda consider I will read the message. So we saw the first verse of the series of verses that constitute Krishna's message to the gopis. So we concluded last class with the first verse which in which Uddhav, uh, which Uddhav prefaced, 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 saying, the Supreme Lord said, or like trying gradually to inject some doses of Aishwarya, trying to see if maybe this will help the gopis to calm themselves down, no? because they are in high, such a peak of emotional expression, maybe by reminding them that they, that Krishna is actually God, this Aishwarya may dilute the, 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 high, the, the thickness of their intimacy, their madhurya. So, Uddhav is saying, the Supreme Lord said, because Krishna himself didn't say that in his letter, and then Krishna said to the gopis, you are never actually separated from me, <clears throat> for I am the soul of all creation. 
just as the elements of nature, either air, fire, water, and earth, are present in every created thing, so I am present within everyone's mind, life, air, and senses, and also within the physical elements and the modes of material nature. So this is the first verse. Uh, as we mentioned, all those, most of these verses, especially the first ones, are spoken explicitly in a really abstract language, philosophical, Upanishadic discourse, but they will have different degrees of meaning, especially for the, the gopis. For Uddhava mainly it has one main meaning, which is the obvious explicit one, Brahma Gyan and Krishna is God and Brahman and Paramatman, this and that, but of course for the gopis this is not a satisfactory conclusion, so they will look for more, no? so they go deeper and deeper, <clears throat> and Acharya such as Srilajiva Goswami, they have at time mentioned this, these verses have three levels of meaning. The first one is the apparent meaning. Apparent, you say? Apparent. Apparent. Brahma Gyan. The second one, Krishna will hint at the gopis. I'm actually not absent because I appear as a spurtis in your daily life. Like here and there, some like visions you will have momentarily in the prakat, prakash in the manifest manifestation or dimension that takes place on earth and also the the ultimate meaning of the third level of meaning will hint or point to the reality of the aprakat prakash and we have been speaking about that last week the unmanifest dimension of raj where krishna and the gopis are always together always united and only in this particular prakash the prakat prakash on earth it's in there is some separation momentarily but ultimately there is permanent union in the Aprakat Prakash and eventually, as we will see, there will be even union from the Prakat Prakash to the Aprakat Prakash. Mm -hmm. And of course, this implies that there are different simultaneous manifestations of Krishna and different Prakashas and therefore different simultaneous manifestations of Krishna's associates in all this situation as well. Mm -hmm. So today we will continue. That was a brief recap brief, I don't know, <laughs> 10 minutes, that's my standard, normal recap of the last class. So today we will continue seeing the remaining verses that constitute Krishna's message to the gopis, reply to the gopis, which is verse, verses 30 till 37, apart from this one that we, see, we saw last week. So, let's begin with the first one, verse number 30. I will go straight to the English, since there are many verses, so I, I will quote some of the Sanskrit terms when it is required, but we will go directly to each one in English. So, verse number 30, Krishna says, By myself I create, sustain, and withdraw myself within myself by the power of my personal energy, which comprises the material elements, the senses, and the modes of nature. So that's the second verse. Pretty rustic, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not explicitly, at least. For the gopis, everything will pass through the rustic lens. So, but let's go. Mainly, we will be analyzing the purports to these verses by Sri Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur and Srila Jiva Goswami Pad, which is quite in connection with Srila Sanatan Goswami as well. So Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Pad begins saying here <clears throat> that beyond the external obvious meaning of this verse, which has more to do with the 
let's say, Abed perspective of how the non-difference between Krishna and basically everything, this Abed perspective basically means everything is Krishna, which is not monism, it's just one side of the equation of Chintavida Abed. So Vishwanath say beyond this obvious perspective, what Krishna is saying, I'm everything, nothing is separate from me and so on, for the gopis, he says the meaning as, is as follows. So that is an interesting way of how we can read this verse. I make my appearance in your minds by my own effort for the sake of conjugal union and other pastimes. I maintain that form for a moment and then I make that form disappear. So, now yes, pretty rustic. <laughs> so as we know, we won't go into extreme detail, but Sanskrit lends itself to certain flexible interpretations in certain directions, which in this case fit with how the gopis are understanding the verse. Officially, they have not gone to any Sanskrit school to study the different possibilities and how the datus will mean this and that, but they have this instinctive, spontaneous interpretation, reading of reality, which tends, takes them in the direction of the deepest possible meaning of everything Krishna may have said. No? <laughs> so this one, in this case, is not the exception to the rule. So, according to Vishwanath Chakravartakura, it's typical in him, sometimes he makes this in-between dialogues between the members of, the, of this section. So the gopis here, Vishwanath says, they may ask to Krishna, or to, or to, the, to the message, to the letter, if you will, to Krishna in the letter, by what particular effort do you do this? This thing that they have just understood. And Krishna replies in this verse with the word Atma Maya Anubhavina. He says, I accomplish this by the power of my Yoga Maya. So Atma Maya may be translated my own energy, but Atma Maya is translated read here as my Yoga Maya. But my Yoga Maya, I facilitate basically my appearance, my interaction with you, the Lila, basically. As, as the gopis understood this verse, for the sake of conjugal union and other lilas. And the gopis will reply to that, what is the nature of the self that you make appear? So Krishna replies with the reminding of this verse, Bhutendriya gunat, Gunatma, Bhutendriya Gunatma, which again may refer to Indriya senses, Bhuta entities, Guna qualities, Atma, different things, as you know, many things. So in this point, Krishna will reply to the gopis, What's the self that I make appear? It is that form with all my limbs, Buddha, all my limbs appear. I, in other words, I appear to you in my fullest, most complete form. My indriya, my senses, such, an, such as my eyes, in other words, you are not seeing me now, but you will see me soon. Anguna, my qualities such as beauty, sweetness, cleverness, and intelligence. In other words, all those qualities that are especially dear to you. And all of this comprise Krishna's Atma. Because Atma can mean soul, can mean mind, intelligence, can mean body even, or the whole compound at the same time. So here basically Krishna is implying, even though you thought, you think we are separated, you are, you are totally united with me. In the Aprakat Prakash, as Sri Goswami will confirm now, or... You are having total constant visions of me here and there in the Prakat Prakash as well. So Jiva Goswami, his purpose will say these three levels of meaning. 
So the first meaning for Jiva Goswami is as follows. Again, let's go back to the pretty abstract consideration. By the efficient cause, no, now we'll go back instrumental efficient cause, I manifest the material cause as the element, sense, gunas, and so on. This is like the first level of meaning. No? And in this connection, Jiva Goswami says that the gopis think to themselves when hearing. Sometimes he says that the gopis need to hear the verse three times. So they hear the verse one time and say, oh, this means. And they hear again, no, no, this means the verse. And again, and they finally reach the desired conclusion. So in this connection, with the first hearing and understanding of the verse, they talk to themselves, says Jiva Goswami, this seems to be related to the idea that he is God. Vibhatsa. <laughs> <laughs> mm. It looks like he has made us understand his God to disturb our hearts. So what if he is God? For some he is Brahman, and for others he is God. Reflecting on this with intelligence, we consider that the most fortunate are those who play with him. That's the conclusion of the Gopis. He wants us to take him as God, Brahman, Paramatma, the source of... But for us, the most, most, most blessed people are those who engage in Leela with him. In other words, they are the most fortunate ones. <laughs> because also it's a play of words, no? Because God can be described as Deva. And Deva comes from the root Deva, which means play. So, yeah, he's God, he wants us to understand. But for us, he's, he's he who plays. And those who play with him are the most fortunate. So the, the word Deva keeps its meaning. I mean, again, the idea, the word Deva is still there, but their idea of Deva is, let's play, let's engage in Lila. Hmm? And, and, and the more you forget that Krishna is God, the more the Lila becomes more and more real, if you will. You take the game, if you will, the play, as the ultimate reality. So that's the first level. In the connection to the second meaning, or second level of meaning, the second, they think, remember, the second meaning has more to do with spurtis, Krishna manifesting to the gopis in the prakat prakash on earth. So it is true that you appear to us as a spurti, but we do not appear to you. Thus, this type of meeting is a false meeting, although it is different from a dream. Like, we are aware that we have visions of you, and it's different from what we may dream at night, although Krishna will show to them, at night you are also dreaming about me. <laughs> but we are not appearing as spurtis to you, so it's, mm. it's not that reciprocal. How real is all this? So in answer to this, Jiva Goswami says, Krishna speaks this second meaning, which is, in my heart, Atmani, this is the Sanskrit word here, which is changeless, by my mind, Atmana, this, word, this verse has many times the word Atmani, Atmana, Atmanam. By my mind, which is composed of accepting and rejecting, I make efforts, Atmanam, for meeting you and having pastimes with you. So again, this is another reading of the verse. My mind, Anubhavena, is influenced by compassion for you, Atmamaya. So Atmamaya could mean, before we mentioned, my yoga Maya, but Atmamaya can Maya means also mercy. So by compassion for you, my mind is influenced, or my mind is influenced by your mercy to me, is Krishna saying to the gopis. Because of the influence of my compassion for you and your compassion for me, external perception of separation is disregarded. 
So basically, in other words, I cannot tolerate being separated from you. I cannot tolerate the, sab the suffering you are going through in separation from me. So somehow I always make the arrangement for that not to happen and vice versa. So you think we are separated, but I'm trying... Christian, this letter is trying to confirm we are not separated, actually. And when hearing the third time, Shiva Goswami say, the gopis confirm the, the, the ultimate meaning, which Krishna implies, in my sarup, by my Atma, I create this special manifestation or Atmanam, or I make my appearance in the Aprakat Prakash. This is a real manifestation of my spiritual form, not some transformation. So always this third level of meaning points in the direction of Krishna trying to show to the gopis, in this window of, on, of earth, we are separated for, for a while, for certain reasons. But in the unmanifest dimension, we are always united. So Krishna is trying to, in this message, to take the attention of the gopis to that platform, to stop suffering in separation. So again, this first verse reveals all these ultimately varieties of prakashas or, or dimensions, windows, and this mechanism of simultaneous union and separation in different hmm, layers of reality between Krishna and his devotees. I know it's not easy to understand, but that's how it's, it's working. So, ultimately, Jiva Goswami said the sense of this verse is, I will dissolve, the ultimate meaning of this verse, I will dissolve one Prakash and combine it into another. In other words, we are separated in this early Prakat Prakash, but eventually, this Prakat Prakash will merge into the Aprakat Prakash and there is no more separation whatsoever in any sense of the term. So in this way, in other words, Krishna is saying to the gopis that very soon the gopis will enter from the Prakat Prakash. You have to get this topic, these terms because I will repeat them many times. <laughs> so they still will enter into from the Prakat Prakash into the Aprakat Prakash and they will experience total union with him. They are already united with him there. But in this Prakash that they are separated from him, that will merge there and will attain union with him in that Prakash as well. Mm. So at this point, it is said that the gopis raise the following doubt. Mm. They will say, but you, Krishna, are sporting in a visible manner in Mathura. So how are we to believe that at present you are sporting with us here also? Mm. Because, okay, again, on one level, Krishna not only saying, you will join me there, but also he's telling, he's telling, I'm manifesting constantly here as well. Mm -hmm. So anticipating this question, Krishna draws attention to the gopis' own experience as evidence in this regard in the following verse. So let's go to the second one. Yeah? Ready? Ready? Yeah. Okay. I believe you. <laughs> verse 31 says, <clears throat> Being composed of pure consciousness or knowledge, the soul is distinct from everything material and is uninvolved in the entanglements of the modes of nature. We can perceive the soul through the three functions of material nature known as wakefulness, sleep, and deep sleep. <laughs> so again, this is a pretty typical abstract philosophical point about the, the being being made of consciousness, being separate from matter, and the different stages of 
material perception according to the gunas and so on. So let's see what Srila Jiva Goswami has to say here about how the gopis read this narrative. <coughs> so the first level of meaning, they read that Krishna is saying to them that you should be happy with me, my Atma, myself, which is the Jnana Maya, says the Sanskrit, is a form, of, very form of knowledge, which is pervading everything. Krishna is implying here, I'm pervading, all pervading. Hmm? Hmm? So, and your Atma and my Atma, we have a similar nature, we are Atma. Hmm? Therefore, my Atma is all pervading, the Atma, it is say, is all pervading, nature of consciousness is all pervading. So, if, we are, if consciousness is all pervading, how can we speak of separation? This is the abstract philosophical first layer of argument. So what is the use of these miserable thoughts arising from external meeting? They are, we are not meeting externally, but consciousness is everywhere. But we know the gopis are like, mm -mm, not yet, <laughs> not fully convinced yet. So the second meaning has to do with the last part of the verse, which speaks about these three states famously described, like wakefulness, sleep with dreaming and deep sleep without dreaming. So Jiva Goswami paraphrases uh, Krishna in his message how the gopis read it, say that form of mind discerned by you is realized by you in deep sleep, dreams and waking state, since by meditation on me, as if you were in deep sleep, my form shines within you. So when Krishna saying hints to the gopis, as if you were in deep sleep means samadhi, like with great concentration. Deep sleep means there are no mental oscillation, you say, like mental waves. So samadhi has to do with something similar, chitta vritti nirodha. So all this chitta vritti, the vrittis of the chitta are stopped. So, of course, the gopis are even beyond the type of yogic samadhi, but it's a way of speaking in these terms here. In other words, here, this, the point is that the gopis are experiencing spurtis of Krishna, visions of Krishna, even in deep sleep. So deep sleep means dreamless sleep. So dreamless sleep means there is no movements in the mind on a guna-like level. But what they are percep perceiving is totally, of course, beyond the gunas. That's the very idea here. There are samadhis totally beyond the gunas. So... Krishna, basically, the, the, the sense of this section, the second meaning is, I'm disclosing myself into your mind at any moment whatsoever, even in deep, the dreamless, deep sleep, when there's no mind activity, you perceive me there. <clears throat> and the last, third verse, uh, meaning of this verse by Jiva Goswami, he says that Krishna implies, my form is that, which is realized by you in waking, dreaming, sleep, and deep sleep, and take shelter in your minds. <clears throat> so my form takes shelter in your minds, basically he's saying to the gopis. Let's see what Vishwanath Chakrabhartakur has to say. He always begins his purpose in the same way. He said, beside its obvious meaning, not like <clears throat> implying I trust my readers, they will get the obvious meaning, and we are not interested in that, so let's continue <laughs> quickly. Beside its obvious meaning, the meaning for the gopis is as follows. Like implying whatever the gopis understand, it's not obvious. The gopis are not part of the obvious 
type of people, the obvious type of understanding, but go to that which is not obvious, which is implied, if you will, indirect, hidden. Gopi means basically that, no? hidden stuff. <laughs> so the meaning for them, <clears throat> their reading of the verses as follows. Krishna is saying to them, Though residing in Mathura, I, the word Atma refers to Krishna also, I, being Gyanamaya or full of knowledge, I am always conscious of you and never forget you. In other words, if Krishna is full of knowledge, what's the ultimate application of, 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 of that being full of knowledge? He says that I'm always conscious of you and I never forget you. And he describes Gyanamaya, or again, full of knowledge, as someone who is highly skilled in the various branches of knowledge and the pragmatic arts that are related to love. So that's Krishna. Because we say, okay, he's full of knowledge, but that's mean he has three PhDs and big intellectual capacity only. No, But he's very expert into the knowledge of the arts of love, basically. Ultimately, his knowledge is, is converging into his relation with the Brajabasis, basically. Because again, at one point, knowledge and love become one, Gyan, Parama, Guhyam, Me, Rajavidya, Raja, Guhyam, and so on. Hmm? <clears throat> Krishna continues to the gopis according to Vishwanath. Even though present here in Mathura, I am free from any fault of association associating with the woman of Mathura because I remain aloof. In other words, my body is here in Mathura. I may be surrounded by ladies, but I am totally detached from this reality. I am severely pained by my separation from you. So how could I get pleasure from any other woman? So here Krishna is conveying the reality of his situation. I continually dwell on your qualities such as your tender beauty and sweet sidelong glances. Similarly, you can always perceive me with your mental faculties during the three states of sleeping, dreaming and waking. And we, as, as we mentioned before, Krishna lives to reciprocate with his devotees. So if the gopis are perceiving Krishna in all these three stages, it means Krishna is also perceiving them in these three stages in Mathura and, and in Dwarka and so on. As we know, he's sleeping and he's not sleeping. He's just shouting, Radha, Lalita, Gopal, Madhumangal and so on. <laughs> so that implies... They are doing the same on the other side, basically. No, it's a two love is a two way street. <clears throat> so basically, Krishna tries to mention this idea here. Now, although in, in the Aprakat Lila, in the Aprakat Prakash, your separation from me is non-existent. In other words, we are united there. You should also understand that in the Prakat Prakash, in the manifest Lila. We are also always united. Although it may seem we are separated for a moment, for a while, uh, at the same time you are feeling my presence without interruption. I mean, when you are awake, when you are sleeping, when you are dreaming, when you are not dreaming, I'm always there as a permanent, constant reality. Sometimes you have concrete visions of me. So Krishna is trying here to save the gopis. Try to remember this point. No? I mean, the gopis are on the verge of death in separation from Krishna thinking that they are separated from Krishna in every sense of the term, and Krishna is trying to save them by reminding them, it's not the fact, we are not separated, that separated as you think. So at this point the gopis have something to to say, in reply. And, and just you know, all this 
words create the, the next verse as a proper reply to it. So the gopis at this point say, uh, but in spite of what you just said, for us, the feeling of separation overpowers all other feelings. So what are we to do? No. Okay, in theory, we, under, we may understand we are united somewhere else in this other Prakash, and you appear and we are aware of, but at the same time, subjectively speaking, we feel that we are separated from you to the point that that experience overpowers all the others. So how to deal with that? So anticipating this question, it is said that Krishna next will uh, outline this in brief, of course, in two verses, in the next two verses, the yoga system, basically. Try to control the mind, basically, and stop suffering by controlling your mind. In other words, of course, control your mind in which sense? No, because <laughs> the gopis are totally mind control and at the same time beyond, of, beyond that. So the idea is try to control your mind in the direction of do not let your mind, hmm, try to restrain your mental impression of thinking I'm separated from Krishna. I'm separated from Krishna. And the more you can control that impression, the more the awareness of your permanent union with me will arise out of its own, out of its own accord. On its own accord. On its own accord. Thank you. So first verse of the two, where Krishna will be promoting the Yoga Sutras, basically. Verse 32. He's saying, continuing in some way, connecting with the previous example of sleep, dreamless sleep, awakening, and so on. <clears throat> As a person just arisen, 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 as a person just arisen from sleep, may continue to meditate on a dream, even though it is illusory. So, by the agency of the mind, one meditates on the sense objects, which the senses can then obtain. Therefore, one should become fully alert and bring the mind under control. So again, it seems a pretty basic instruction for a beginning sadhaka of some school, but here the Krishna is speaking to the gopis. So again, there must be something else to be said. So let's see what Jiva Goswami mentions regarding the three levels of meaning. Again, he, he, first meaning is the obvious meaning, which is again, you are sleeping, you are dreaming with something, you awake. Are you still somehow think about the objects of your dream, although they are objects of your dream, they are not factual reality. So one should control the mind, in other words, to differentiate between my, uh, how do you say, oniric experience. Oniric, you say in English? Yeah. Yeah. No? Yeah? Okay. Well, you, okay, the experience you have in your dream, dream-like state, <laughs> and the awakening reality. So the gopis think, on hearing the first time, the gopis thought to themselves, it looks he's like, it looks like he's teaching us yoga, which attempts to stop the mental function. So the gopis try to enter into the psychology of Braj, you know, like civilized village girls, like, but they know, I mean, they hear the verse, oh, it seems that he wants to instruct us in yoga, which, which point to Chitta Vritti Niroda again. So then they heard the second time and concluded 
yes and no. No, something else is the intention here. He's speaking of meditation in order to stop the mind, in order for us to stop our mind from thinking of separation. So it's not just control the mind, but stop thinking about this idea of separation that is torturing you. But there's one third time. So by hearing a third time, Jiva Goswami mentions that they further confirmed this meaning. In other words, they understood in this Prakat manifestation, separation is taking place and how we are to pass our time until we find him again. Krishna is saying to the gopis, as long as I do not return, control your minds. In other words, the added feature here is as long as I do not return, implying I'm on, a, on my way there. I'm planning to return. So please wait. Somehow or other survive. I'm, I'm planning everything to return on the Prakat Prakash. On the Aprakat Prakash, we are united constantly. On the Prakat Prakash, we are temporarily separated. But I'm making all the arrangements to go there. So please, somehow survive. <laughs> <clears throat> Try to imagine, no? They love Krishna so much that Krishna himself has to tell them, please survive in separation from me for a moment. I know you are about to die. Survive, please, somehow. <laughs> Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur again begins his purpose saying, besides the obvious Gyan Yoga meaning, of, or Yoga meaning in connection to mind control, for the gopis, this verse means the following. So for the gopis, Krishna is saying, I understand that although I gave you all sorts of enjoyment, you may consider now all that enjoyment false by thinking that we are separated, he left us, due to being blinded by loving attraction to me, having lost all discretion before because of your excessive anxiety of separation. All this gives me great unhappiness. Therefore, I have sent this message to convince you of the reality of all these pastimes we performed. So that's another implication of this verse according to Vishwanath. In this moment of separation, you are so overpowered by separation that you may reach the point of thinking, we never met Krishna, all this was a dream, hallucination, that never happened. So through this message, I'm trying to confirm, no, it was totally true, it's totally real, and it will continue very soon. So it's important here to understand how the, these gopis' feelings of separation are not like, how to say, like superimposed on them, like, in, like by the influence of Tamaguna, like some experience we may have in a dream, like the verse is saying. But actually they are experiencing on the Prakat Lila, we are not attaining him. That's a subjective experience, that's real. They are not attaining him on the Prakat Lila. And that's why Krishna is saying, please, please, please try to restrain your feelings of separation. Try to take these feelings of separation as a dream. Do not take our moments of union as a dream and the separation as real. Try this, understand this separation is like a dream and the dream is about to, to end at any moment. And try to meditate in our permanent union in the Aprakat Prakash, in the unmanifest dimension. And in the course of such meditation, in the course of you directing your minds to the Aprakat Prakash, to in the course of controlling your minds in that way, eventually you will be experiencing union with me. 
you will experience that and you will stop experiencing in separation here. Hmm? So the idea of, of, of Krishna also here is if some union is possible at this present moment somewhere, you cannot speak about separation. I mean, how can you speak about separation? Well, there is union certainly somewhere else. So there is no separation. Hmm? And in the second verse regarding Yoga, Krishna is praising the, the, the above mentioned system he quoted. So let's go to verse uh, 33. According to intelligent authorities, this, referring to mind control, is the ultimate conclusion of all the Vedas, as well as all practice of yoga, sankhya, renunciation, austerity, sense control, and truthfulness, just as the sea is the ultimate destination of all rivers. So, of course, one can take this, Krishna say, okay, this, the mind control is the ultimate conclusion of all Shastra, but this type of mind control that Krishna is promoting here, which speaks in terms of his relation with the gopis, that's the ultimate conclusion of all Shastra. <laughs> no, Krishna and the gopis, that's the ultimate type of yoga, if you will. So we can take that, of course, in another level. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur begins his purpose saying Aside from the obvious meaning. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Apart from the obvious meaning that mind control is the all in all for Shasta and so on, for the gopis, this means as one transcends material existence by controlling the mind, similarly you can transcend the pain of separation from me by mind control. It is the uncontrolled mind that makes you perceive your association with me as illusory, even though it is real. So, of course, the gopis' minds are uncontrolled, but they're uncontrolled. Their, their lack of control is not due to sattvarajas tamas, <laughs> but it's a mind agitation by waves of prem. So, it's, it's a variety of prem, and Krishna is trying to take the mind of the gopis to another variety of prem because that's the only possibility in the gopis mind one wave of prem another wave of prem is not just like jump from rajas to sattva or something that's non-existent for them mm. so those are these different in the, in the terms of rupa goswami vyavichari bhavs all these different waves mm, that that create different ecstatic moments in the ocean of stai bhav so mm. And some waves will be separation and death-like symptoms, and at one point that it's having its purpose. Now it's the necessity to invoke another wave that may save them from that wave. Basically, so now control your mind and think about me in this way. So here he gives a classical example of the rivers converging in the ocean. In the yoga system, sometimes Brigupat can here confirm, if possible that the chitta is compared sometimes to a river. So it flows continuously. Sometimes it's flowing like very, how do you say? Like vigorous, vigorously. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes it will flow more calmly. The mind is like this here. But when the river reaches the ocean, it becomes calm, tranquil, having reached its converging point, its destination. So similarly, if the mind who is here and there, here and there, reaches Krishna, that's when it will attain peace, basically. And again, it's not that the gopis have not attained Krishna, but they are thinking that they have not attained Krishna in the context of separation. So Krishna is trying to tell them, realize that you are with me in the Aprakat Prakash. You have attained me. 
So Krishna is using this jogging example to hint at this permanent union between them two in the Aprakat Prakash. So, we have some minutes yet with your permission. And from here on, interestingly, there will be a shift into the mood of the message that Krishna is sending to the gopis. Still now the messages were more indirect, abstract, philosophical, explicitly boring, no? <laughs> basically, for the gopis, for the Vrajavasis, no? but implicitly, of course, with some other layers of meaning. So now we will see Krishna will speak to the gopis really directly, really clearly, with, without the need of different readings and layers of, 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 of understanding. So Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur will, in his commentary, share some interesting ideas that somehow justify why from here, from now on, Krishna's messages will be more explicit and direct. Hmm? So it is said that now the gopis reply to Uddhav after hearing all these verses, but they will reply to Uddhav now, on the le- speaking like if they were understanding the verses on the first level of meaning only, because that's mostly the level of meaning that Uddhav is it's catching. Because remember, Uddhav is, is just like awakening to, to a new reality, a new prospect, a new world. <laughs> and he is reading these verses and seeing the reaction of the gopis. And he's still like full, not fully understanding what's going on, how they understand the verses. So for him, these verses mean the first level of meaning, the obvious meaning, in the words of Vishwanath. So according to that obvious meaning, the gopis now will speak to Uddhav. In the words of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, in between verses. So Odav said, uh, the Gopi said to Odav, by this news, remember, first layer of meaning, by this news from Krishna, you have doubled our pain. No? <laughs> so you were supposed to be a messenger and create relief here? Therefore, should we call the sender of this message, Krishna, ignorant of the proper Deshakala Patra? Huh? Or should we criticize you instead for being so thoughtless? <laughs> Who are to criticize? Someone is to be condemned here. Hmm? You have brought this burden of Brahma Gyan this far, hmm? from Mathura to Braj, such a heavy load. Hmm? But who will buy it in Braj? Hmm. Oh, you came to sell this product? Hmm. And this is a heavy one. It's dense. It's, oh. So... Maybe the gopis, can the gopis who from birth have been drinking the nectar of Krishna's beauty now drink the bitter neem sap of Brahma Gyan? <laughs> it is better than the women of this place give up their lives if only such an abominable thing is available as food. Better they die of starvation. Like implying better we die on separation from Krishna than try to relieve, quote-unquote, our pain by accepting these bitter conceptions of Krishna's God and is the absolute and embracing this lower perception of reality, basically. Hmm? Now just listen, you great fool. <laughs> just listen. The Gopis continue speaking to Uddhav through Vishwanath Chakravarti. This Brahma Gyan, which is found in the leaf huts of the hearts of great saintly physicians, is the medicinal herb that can certainly cure the disease of material existence. Yeah, yeah, we know. Brahmagyan can cure ignorance, avidya, samsara, blah, blah, blah. But can it cure the grave disease of Krishna Prem? Mm. Mm. That's an, on another level. Mm. That's another 
categorically, di categorically different disease. These, those doctors even research this disease. Like in playing all these Gyanis, do they have a clue about Krishna Prem, actually? No. They're great personalities, but after learning the science of medicine from Sandipani Muni, remember he went to the Gurukul there, Krishna has stalked you and then sent you to us with the herbal cure to relieve the great fever of Prem. You can now be our messenger, Uddhava, and take this medicine back to its sender. Drinking it, Krishna will extinguish his fever of prem for us. Make sure that no trace of fever remains. As for us, may our great fever of prem remain for a hundred birds. Mm -hmm. In other words, again, better we die in this fever of Viraha, Viraha Jala, than have to hear this burden of Gyan, Brahma Gyan. This is such a... I mean, it's a torture to, to die in separation from Krishna, but much worse is to swallow these mm, pills that you have brought of Brahmagyan. Oh my God. Mm. And if you have no such herb with you, then what can be done? Alas, can the torrents of rain that will put out a forest fire extinguish the fire of lightning? Mm. If we find within Krishna's message something a little favorable to us, is that with his intention? Is that his intention, or is it just an accident? We cannot place any faith in him. <laughs> so again, the gopis maybe have said at this point, well, well, maybe we read some other layers of meaning in Krishna's word, but was that his intention, or is just our subjective necessity and emotionality? So we don't we don't believe him. We don't believe you by extension, basically. So Vishwanath Thakur says then, after the gopis spoke in this angry mood, Uddhav answered, O ladies, just listen to me for one moment with attention. I have brought you another message apart from this Brahma Gyan. Again, the gopis read these messages not as Brahma Gyan, but for Uddhav, that was Brahma Gyan. So we see also how Uddhav himself is being like upgraded more and more by the waves of Krishna and the gopis and Krishna and the gopis he's invited to enter deeply into this so Krishna is saying to the gopis I have more messages this is not all then Uddha related Krishna's remaining statements which the gopis heard with great faith and eagerness so again it's not that the gopis were they were actually eager to, to drink and deep, drink deeply and more so the next verse which is verse 34 We'll almost begin with the word to, which to, in this case, will indicate like a different topic, like a switch, switch, no, shift in, 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 the, in the theme, if you will. So from now on till the end, all this me the remaining messages of Krishna will be direct. So let's go to verse 34. He says like this. <clears throat> but, to, but the actual reason why I, the beloved object of your sight have stayed far away from you is that I wanted to intensify your meditation upon me and thus draw your minds closer to me. Mm -hmm. So much more direct here, mm -hmm. as you can see. This is a very similar verse to the one that Krishna pronounces when he reappears in the Rasa Lila as well. When the Gopi says, why you disappear from us? Mm -hmm. <coughs> So, 
Let's go to the purports also. Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur mentions the general meaning here, there are different degrees of meaning nonetheless, <laughs> is as follows. That I, who am, who am so attractive to your eyes, am now situated far away from your eyes, is simply out of my desire to increase your meditation of me, on me, sorry. So by that meditation, your minds are drawn to me. You're, I'm far from your eyes, but closer to your mind. But also, you gopis are also extremely attractive to my eyes, and therefore, since you are now far from my, my eyes, you remain near to my mind. So he's using this notion. No? We remain far from our eyes, it means we are getting closer in our minds, and vice versa. Thus, he says, it is deduced that an object of attraction is far from the mind when it is in the vicinity of one's eyes, and near the mind when it is far from the eyes. Basically, when I see someone, I may not be thinking too much about that person because it's there. When I'm not seeing the person, I start to see that person in my mind. Of the two, Krishna says to Bhishmanath, the mind is more important. What's more important? Having someone in your eyes, or outside of your mind, or in your mind. Therefore, I desire that you remain close to my mind. May that be your desire as well. And Srila Jiva Goswami mentions in his purpose to this section that Krishna desired to think of the gopis in the same way as they do. In other words, Krishna desired to meditate on them in order to bring his mind close to them. And he says something very beautiful here in his purpose. He says, and this again highlights the humility of Krishna and how he himself feels like unqualified in comparison to the gopis love and an eternal debtor, like the famous verse, the Bhagavatam Napari, Hamniravadya Sanjuyam, and so on. When Krishna says, I cannot repay back for your love for me. <clears throat> so Jiva Goswami here says, Krishna wanted to feel qualified to be close to the gopis. He doesn't feel such. He feels he lacks adhikar to deserve that proximity. Without that, without that proximity, without that qualification, Krishna will always feel ashamed. Hmm? In other words, Krishna implies here, you gopis, hmm, giving up everything, you concentrate your minds on me, but I do not do the same to the same extent. As we always say, Krishna has so many devotees he has to reciprocate with, the gopis have only him. Hmm? Or as we say, for Madhu Mangal to love Krishna, he does not have to leave other friends. For Jasoda to love Krishna, she does not have to leave Nanda Maharaj. For Radha to love Krishna, she has to leave everyone else. <laughs> so that, that's more intense in that sense. And Krishna compares how much they are leaving everything and how much he has to divide himself in so many devotees. So he feels, I mean, the thickness of my one pointedness towards you is nothing in comparison to how you are loving me. <laughs> and Jiva Goswami therefore says here that Krishna is implying here, therefore I am so ashamed for my lack of adhikar that I remained in great shame far away here in Mathura in order to attain closest to you in my mind. 
I don't feel qualified to appear in front of you, in front of your eyes, because I do not feel I deserve your proximity. So by worshipping you, gopis, in this way, Krishna says, in the distance, I hope that eventually I will become qualified. For this reason, I also am tolerating in Mathura my suffering in separation from you. Remember, remember no? Krishna needs to be saved as much as the gopis need to be saved in separation from each other. <clears throat> and then Srila Jiva Goswami quotes Ujjval uh, Nilamani, classical example where it is said that Sambhog or union is not strong enough without Bipralamba. Um, and and Bipralamba in, increases the strength of the union of Sambhog, just as a cloth in, increases its beauty by repeatedly, it repeatedly dyeing the cloth with red color. And red has to do with also rag, the color of passionate love. Hmm? As our Guru Maharaj will say, and Actually, Rupa Goswami also quotes this. In, in union, you see one person, you see developed in one place. In separation, you see developed everywhere. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, this verse is <clears throat> uses the present tense. And Jiva Goswami mentioned this implies that this dynamic of union separation is an ongoing reality that is always happening in one dimension or another. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So now we have three remaining verses. Bear with me. <laughs> and, uh, and this statement that Krishna has just made, explaining why he disappeared, if you will, or he has not returned, will be further corroborated in the next three verses. The, next, the last one. So the next one will be to begin with an example of mental absorption. Verse 35. Krishna says... When her lover is far away, a woman thinks of him more than when he's present before her. So he, again, pounds the same pose that he mentioned before with one particular example. So, <clears throat> what's the point here? That the nature of the mind basically is to remain abs- absorbed in thoughts of a person or of an object when that is absent or, how do you say in English? unobtained not obtained I mean you want something and it's not there you want whatever I don't know you decide a luxury car what will be a Mercedes Benz or whatever <laughs> and you will think you will think about what you want what you want but once you have the car it's in front of your eyes let's say it stops to remain in your mind because the mind is goes to absorbing some other object of desire basically so the same dynamic applies even even more, let's say, compellingly in the realm, what to speak of, of emotions or affection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and this particular emotion will pervade the whole mental quantum, if you will, all emotional body. So it is said that it's more complete than when it appears in the company of developed. In separation, as we sometimes say, the, the, the emotions for developed internalized. In union, they externalize. Mm. And that takes amacharyas even to praise separation even more than union, if you will. <laughs> Jiva Goswami says, paraphrasing the gopis here, Let that be, the gopis are saying. Your love is perfect. I remember the last verse, Krishna was saying, I didn't return because of this. So they go, okay, your love is perfect. You have good reasons for everything. What about us? And Krishna says, through Jiva Goswami. Krishna will say, your love is greater than mine. 
again, he will with full humility mention this idea. Mai bhaktir hi kalpate. He says in the Bhagavatam, everyone approaches me, and if they obtain my favor, they consider themselves fortunate. But me myself, I consider myself fortunate if I have the chance of gaining your association. So everyone thinks they are fortunate if they gain my favor. But my own criterion is my own fortune is your association, basically. <laughs> so with this intention, Krishna is speaking this verse here. He says, even ordinary, he, of course, the, the, the example Krishna is giving is even ordinary people, ordinary ladies and men are thinking about each other in their absence. Of course, this is in two directions, the, the same direction. No? A woman will think about her beloved and a man will think about his beloved. That doesn't make a difference. So the point is, if even this happens on an ordinary material platform, what to speak about you, gopis, in relation with me? And what to speak about me in relation with you? I mean, it's reciprocal, again, as we mentioned before. Krishna and Mathura, Krishna and Dwarka is just cannot but absorb them in them, himself in separation from them. <clears throat> let's say let's see what Vishwanath Chakrabart Thakur says here. He mentions <clears throat> the gopis replied to this verse thus O Dava. This specific message also you should keep in the treasure box of your heart. Though now Krishna is enjoying the woman of Mathura, sometime in the future he will be far from their eyes as well. At that time you can give this message to them. <laughs> you can go to Mathura Lazis and tell, eh, Krishna left because in separation, in places and so But right now, this message is unacceptable to the woman of Raj. Previously, even when Krishna was present here, invisible to our eyes, before leaving Braj, and then was absent for a moment, like on a daily basis, that moment felt like a juga. During each minute of that period of absence, the gopis will have drawn Krishna into their minds with thousandfold feelings of separation. <laughs> so Vishwanath then continues saying, when the gopis spoke sarcastically in this way, Uddhava replied, O woman, if this message does not appeal to you, then hear another message from me. I have brought many messages. <laughs> <laughs> so again, in the midst of all this, Uddhava is being further and further converted as well and rendering such a valuable service. So we have two more verses. Bear with me. Verse 36. Continuing to explain, explain the previous point. So Krishna says, Because your minds are totally absorbed in me and free from all other engagement, you remember me always, <clears throat> and so you will very soon have me again in your presence. This is mostly what the gopis want to hear. Like Krishna saying, will you return or not? And if so, when? Period. We don't care about anything else. <laughs> so Krishna is trying to mention this here. I'm about to return. So in this verse, Krishna is kind of delineating the outcome of the meditation he prescribed before. Like, try to think in this and that. So, you will unite with me in the Aprakat Prakash. I mean, we are united there, but your separated situation here will merge into that one and will remain united. The Aprakat, the Prakat Prakash will merge into the Aprakat Prakash. 
and you will totally free from all torments of separation. Because again, in, in the present situation on earth in separation, the most prominent vritti or, or function of the gopis is we are separated from Krishna. But again, when this prakat prakash merged with the aprakat prakash, their experience of separation will be eradicated completely. Mm-hmm. It is said that even they will not remember that when separated, then union comes. Mm-hmm. So let's see what Jiva Goswami has to say here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Having given instructions to this extent, Krishna again considers thus. I have given three levels of solutions, as we have seen before. But if the gopis considered the aprakat manifestation seriously, which was the third solution, as we mentioned, we are there. If they think on that, they will still not be enthusiastic to control their minds and meditate on it. So for them, this idea of meditate that we are united there and somehow survive, that's still not enough. So I will have to create a solution in the prakat manifestation, in the here and now on earth, where they still perceive my separation. And it is then that he speaks this verse, Jiva Goswami says. So in this and the next verse, the last verse, Krishna will repeat the word me two or three times per verse. No, Mayi, Mam, Maya, and all these words that has to do with me, my, mine, and so on. So this will refer to Krishna as the gopis perceive him, Braja Krishna, Syam Sundar Krishna, no other form. Hmm? So basically Krishna is saying here, Jiva Goswami mentions, <clears throat> because your minds have given up unlimited functions and have become absorbed only in me, basically, Sarvadharma, Parityaja, Mamekam, by remembering me in this form uniquely, constantly, very soon you will attain closeness to me, in the form of Krishna. I am not independent in this regard. Again, I live to reciprocate with you. Aham bhakta paradinam. And the gopis will may reply here, Bishwana says, If that is so, you will again show your whimsy and leave. <laughs> so again, that's the nature of parakya. So you will appear, show your face for a while and then leave. And Krishna then will say to please them, This is eternal. I have done this impulsively and it will not happen in the future. I will return and we will merge in the upper cut forever. Mm-hmm. And Sanatana Goswami here comments something before going to the last verse, paraphrasing Krishna also in this direction, when he's trying to emphasize, I'm coming, I'm coming. Sanatana Goswami says, Krishna through him, O gopis, understand that I have almost came, come. Come or came? I've almost come. Come. You will attain me eternally very soon. There will be no longer separation. By your remembrance of me, I become attracted and you will come here. There is no need for you to practice some other method. Like, forget all this yoga stuff that I mentioned some verse ago. I'm coming. And the gopis will say, according to Sanatana Goswami, we cannot believe you. (laughs) Because basically you say that so many times already. And then Krishna replies with the last following verse that we will read today, where Krishna makes his intention a little bit more, much more explicit by quoting one example of other gopis in the Rasalila that we already seen. Those gopis that wanted to join Krishna in Rasalila but were stopped in their houses and so on. So, last verse, verse 37. 
with your permission, uh, it says like this. Although, Krishna is saying to the gopis, although some gopis had to remain in the coward village and so could not join the rasa dance to sport with me at night in the forest, they were nonetheless fortunate. Indeed, they attained me by thinking of my potent pastimes. Hmm? So, of course, we know the story. This refers to the Rasa Lila. Hmm? Krishna played the flute. Some gopis were able to join him, but some other gopis, which is said that they were not Nitya Siddhas, and they still lacked a little bit of association with Nitya Siddhas to further develop the samskars to join Krishna in the, Nitya Lila, in the Rasa Lila, they were stopped somehow in their houses and were not able to join. But what happened? We will see Krishna manifested in their houses and met them there. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Tagore says here, This verse gives proof of Krishna's personal presence when some gopis were locked in their houses by their husbands on the night of the rasa. Try to understand, he's using this example to prove to the gopis here, even though there's physical distance, I manifest to you. So Krishna implies, Although these gopis wanted to die because their desires could not be fulfilled and because they experienced great pain in separation from me, still they were very fortunate. Thus, remaining alive, they attained me by remembering the Drasadans and other pastimes being locked in their houses. In other words, I appeared directly before them in their homes in Braj and enjoyed pastime with them during that night there. And after that, on the other nights, they entered the Rasa Lila on the bank of the Jamuna. So with this, Krishna is implying to the gopis. Now, if I could do this with them, and these gopis were not need to see the gopis. These gopis are need to see the gopis. So what to speak, how will I, I, I reciprocate with you? And Jiva Goswami concludes his purpose here saying, the words me and my in Sanskrit here, Mam, Maya, Mayi, Mat, it's used six times in the last two verses by Krishna, implying strongly, emphasizing the meaning of I will come, me, myself, the one that you want, not just expansion, not some vision, not something. And he uses the word Kalyana, which also means like auspicious lady, fortunate ones. So this not only refers to the gopis of that Rasa Lila who attained Krishna in their houses, but the gopis here in separation, Jiva Goswami uses that possibility, indicating this idea. All you gopis are Nitya Siddhas, or you are greatly fortunate. You are not performance of sadhana like the gopis that were locked in their house. So if I went to them, how much I'm going to you? Again, I'm going. I'm just arriving. Just wait for me. Hmm. So basically, this, this is the idea in, in this last verse of Krishna. And again, it's a complex uh, series of verses in one level, but it's the language of lovers, we could say. So the language of lovers can be only understood by lovers, not by indifferent hearts who won't have entry into the mysteries of, of romanticism, especially transcendental romanticism. But for the gopis, as they say at the end, they understood the ultimate Krishna, Krishna's the ultimate intention very well behind this these messages. So, from here on, from the next verse on, Krishna will come the reply of the gopis to Krishna's message. Mm -hmm. And then we will have Uddhava's 
reaction or prayers to what the gopis have to say. So we will be trying to unfold this in the next lectures. Today we will finish here. But of course, if there is any question, although mostly you are invited to present your questions in the context of our Tatva Vivek group, don't forget that, please. <laughs> uh, but we have some few minutes, just in case someone has any question, I will also allow those connected online here to uh, unmute themselves. <clears throat> Above. Yes. Is there anything above the gopis of Radha? Yes. I'm not sure if I understand the question fully, uh, but of course, in many ways, we we could most way will say no, no. <laughs> but I, I would like to know more specifically the the intention of that. But yeah, ultimately, what what's above, what's below? No, I mean in objective terms, in subjective terms, because as we always hear, no? subjectively speaking, each devotee will feel my bhava is the best, my whatever, reference point is the greatest, and for some devotees, rather than the gopis won't be the role model to follow, but there will be, there, there won't be anything above for them, subjectively speaking. <laughs> so in that sense, we could say some, some other devotee, I mean for, I don't know, for Iran Bhakta, there's nobody above Hanuman. <laughs> Follow my point. But objectively speaking, of course, we could say that the, the Mahabhava of Sri Radha is far away, far above Hanuman's feeling for Ram, but it's not to speak below Ram, just objectively speaking. But again, reality is not only objective, but especially subjective, and more especially super subjective. So, so in that sense, we could say. Yeah, objectively speaking, no, there is nothing about Sri Radha, the Gopis Prem. This is this has been always highlighted with this different sequence of devotees in Santa Dasi, Sakya, Vatsali, Madhurya, like classical examples, I don't know, like yeah, Uda, Pandavas, and this and that, and eventually reaching the Gopis. But subjectively speaking, each devotee will feel my bhava is the best, or my, again, in this case, my role model is the best, so... There is place for that as well, for that above, if you will. <laughs> Which is, I, I think it's equally important to establish the two. I mean, it's really equally important to establish which is the objective, objectively speaking, highest attainment, possible attainment in Prem. And our Acharyas have done that over and over again. For example, Brihad Bhagavatam, which is a really clear ladder in that direction. Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami has done the same in his Chaitanya Charitamrita, but interestingly, all these acharyas, when establishing how objectively speaking this Braja Prem is the topmost thing, in the context of making their point, they also make this other equally important point, which again is subjectively speaking, nonetheless, <laughs> this possibility is there. Every devotee will think this is the best. And that's on the other side of the scale. To prevent us from being fundamentally sectarian or whatever, offensive even, in the name of the highest attainment. Mm -hmm. So, I hope that helps Salva Shakti. Brigupat Prabhu has one question. I was wondering. Or comment, whatever. It's a question. Mm. Uh, in Krishna's uh, message, he begins with this kind of samkhya or 
Brahmagyana part. And then comes uh, the, that uh, I left because I wanted to intensify your attraction to me. That was kind of the second part. And where the idea is that uh, what you have close to you, you don't think about. Mm -hmm. But uh, what you're missing, that's what you're thinking about. But on the other hand, there's, uh, I think, a kind of important part of human psychology is also, like in the English, saying that, that out of sight, out of mind. Mm. That uh, what you don't see around you, you don't think about. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, uh, I was surprised that the gopis didn't didn't uh, really reply to this in Diva Goswami's and Vishwanath Chakravarti's mm. that they didn't make that argument do you have any comment about that? well the comment will be wait for, till the next class okay. <laughs> <laughs> and see how the gopis have quite a lot to say okay. <laughs> and it's a kind of trailer inviting question if you will but basically the gopis will share some thoughts honoring Brigupat's question here <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i would prefer if we can sure. wait for one week and then we will see what the gopis have to because again as you mentioned on no, the next section of verses are the gopis reply to krishna's message so they will be like addressing all these different points from their of course, we we did already that through the commentary commentaries of, of of the commentators, but now the next officially the next verse of the Bhagavatam will be their replies to to them, and after that you will see how what Udav has to say there. No? So it's a very interesting dynamic of what will they say now, or what will they reply to that, and how will now the messenger react to all these? <laughs> so so next week with your permission. Some mysteries necessary also for for keeping the audience on the edge of their seats or something. <laughs> okay, so since we mentioned next week, we'll finish here and see you all next week, next Monday. Srila Gurudev ki jai, Srimad Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Shri Brahma Gita Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Pramananda Ki Jai.